Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of the Science of Sports Recovery podcast. Glad you're here. And I am excited to introduce you to a special guest, an athlete today, a Spartan world champion, Lindsay Webster. She's been dominating the Spartan and obstacle course racing scene for the last few years, including uh, two world championship titles. She has more accolades as, as a Spartan, although obstacle course racing referred to as OCR may be a relatively new sport. Lindsay is no stranger to being at the top of her discipline. In her collegiate career, she placed third at the Canadian cross-country running nationals. Uh, she has gold medals in mountain biking from Mansfield and Wood Newton Ontario Cup. And she even has a fourth place finish at the 50K Gatineau Lopet cross-country skiing event. Uh, like many of our athletes, I could go on and on and on about her accolades for 45 minutes, uh, but I'll spare you that and get into our conversation now about her recovery routine, her nutritional habits, and the type of legacy that she wants to leave. Let's get into it. You're listening to the Science of Sports Recovery Podcast. Each week, we explore how to recover more efficiently from training so you can work out harder and realize your full potential. This is the Science of Sports Recovery Podcast. Hey, Lindsay, it's great to have you on the show. We're excited to talk with you today. Hey, Jace. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be on. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to start with, we kind of got a brief overview of uh, a variety of different uh, disciplines that you've been in, in athletics throughout your whole life. Obviously, now you're a Spartan athlete, but I want to take you back down memory lane to the beginning of when you started sport, I believe, as a figure skater. And then you transition into now what is Lindsay Webster, the Spartan athlete. So how, how did your first like introduction to sport go? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, first of all, uh, you're a thorough researcher. I'm super <laughs> impressed. Yeah. Like I, I think I mentioned to you off screen, but I have no idea where you found half this information, but yeah, I appreciate the hard work that you put into kind of finding all of this and um yeah, it's been a long journey. Um, I did start figure skating, I think, as my first competitive sport when I was, oh my gosh, like eight, eight maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure. Um, sure. But yeah, my parents always had me enrolled in sports. I think it was just something that was important to them to have me enrolled in activities. And uh, of course, like every little girl, I started with ballet and then sure. I just, I don't know, I, I liked it, but it, was just missing something from me and for whatever reason I decided I really wanted to be a figure skater and I stuck with that up until up until high school so yeah they always had me enrolled in sort of different sports at uh various competitive levels but they mm -hmm. sort of always left it up to me how competitive I wanted to be sure um, yeah sure. At, at eight year old uh, were you as competitive as you are now or did it kind of take a while for you to get your competitive genes? I think it evolved. Um, of course, I mean, people like 
doing what the, they're good at. And yeah. <laughs> I didn't really start, I mean, like every little figure skater, I just learned the basics and stuff. And it was probably a couple of years before I actually started competing. But then, uh, yeah. but then I would like always be on the podium and my competitions and it just sort of evolved from there. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't think it was until high school that I really found my competitive genes. Actually, at one point, my mom asked if I wanted to switch figure skating coaches to somebody who was like, I still had my like coach from when I was eight years old. And she was oh, like, yeah. well, you know, a lot of the girls who get older are switching to like a more um, a coach with like, you know, a bit more experience i guess um in the competition world and i was like no i like my coach i think i'll stay with tara so, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it wasn't really until high school that i like yeah. really found my negative my spirit i think sure figure well, skating because i loved it so. what was the sport in high school that kind of pushed you into like the the competitive realm yeah cross-country skiing actually um okay super lucky because my high school actually had a cross-country ski team which like a lot of high schools don't especially in Ontario where I was living at the time um but we had some some of the teachers there were just really passionate about the sport and honestly like to this day they're some of the best coaches that I've ever had and they set um kind of like the brickworks of everything that I know about sports and training and so anyway I joined this cross-country ski team um, in school and then I actually ended up joining like the team outside of school as well which is where okay. things got really competitive and took me to like the national level and stuff but um wow. yeah I would say I would say that definitely like set the stage not only for my competitive spirit but also for like everything that I know about, sure. about training yeah cool so, really so, and you have a, a sister correct that's a cross-country pro athlete is that, she, is that accurate? Yeah, she was a Olympian in cross country skiing. So, wow. Um, yeah, so her and I, and her and I were in, she's two years older than me. So, we were in high school at the same time. And uh, for most of the time, we were kind of competing. I, I would be like junior while she was the senior. Sure. Um, but once we got a bit older and outside of school, we ended up actually like having to compete against each other, which never there was never any like animosity or anything between the two mm -hmm. of us we, she was almost ever encouraging and she yeah. was way more competitive about it than I was um but a lot of people would sort of say like oh you're Brittany's sister like I didn't really have a name I was always Brittany's sure. sister <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh they'd be like oh you know if you trained harder then you could beat her and stuff and yes I was competitive about it but I think at the same time it held me back a little bit from like being truly competitive because I was just like, oh, I'm sick of that. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, were you, did she kind of introduce you to the sport then? Or like, was she there first and you're like, I'm, I'm going to do that as well because Brittany's doing that? Or was it like you guys started at the same time? Yeah. And that's actually how it had been through most of our childhood. Like, you know, as the older sister, she was sort of like, my mentor in a lot of ways yeah. and so I did ballet because she did ballet yeah. and then um, we both did tennis for a little while but like I did it because she did it and obviously it's easy for mom and dad when they just have to drive you to all the same things yeah. but um figure skating was like the first thing I did that I kind of like did something that she wasn't doing as well and then yeah uh cross-country skiing she got 
me into because yeah she was two years older and so she joined the high school team in grade nine and fell in love with it yeah and by grade 10 she was like training her butt off like our bus our school bus came at 6 30 in the morning or some absurd hour and she would be up at like 4 30 so she could fit a run in before she went to school and then she'd run on her lunch hour too wow. um and yeah she was just she was like so dedicated and she she taught me what it takes to be a professional athlete and like how how dedicated that you have to be mm-hmm. um so yeah she paved the way for me in, all, in a lot of ways but I think also at the same time um under no fault of hers just because she was so competitive about it and she really wanted to work to get to the Olympics and make this like yeah she wanted to be a professional athlete and I was just like you know I kind of enjoy being like a normal kid um (laughs) so that I ended up actually like when I had the choice whether I wanted to be more competitive with skiing when it was time to graduate and like Mm -hmm. pursue what she was pursuing or I just like ended up going to university and making the choice that I wanted to be like a normal kid for a while. And I had to figure out if competitive sports were something that I wanted to do, or I just always done yeah. um, because I had enrolled in them and stuff. And then mm-hmm. uh, obviously eventually came back to it. Yeah. Um, At yeah. some point you had to make the decision for yourself instead of just following in your sister's footsteps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but she I, taught me a lot on the way. Sure. I actually have a very similar story in, in my life I'm I'm a runner and my brothers ran they're four years older than me I had twin older brothers and um oh I, prior to them going out to cross country running I wanted to be a professional football player this is like in fourth grade and then they yeah. went out for cross country I was so <laughs> mad at them because they didn't go out for football and they went out for cross country and then I went to a cross country meet and I was like oh I could do this so then I started running. Then <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, so did you ever have to actually compete against them? Because they were four years old. Or did. Did you guys have- yeah, so yeah. I, I'm in a small town um, in, in South Dakota. So we had our seventh and eighth grade team compete at um, high school meets if they were good enough. So my seventh grade year, I would run the two mile with them and they would lap me and stuff but then uh, I had enough of that so my my next year I took running a little bit more serious and ran all year round over the winters and stuff and then uh, I ended up beating them about half the time they had more events up to this point but then when it came down to the two mile I'd beat them half the time as an eighth grade they were seniors but um, you got sick of so-and-so's little brother yeah. <laughs> yeah i i just kind of followed them around the meets and i was known as the little craft kid um uh, and then pretty soon by the time they had graduated um people were knowing them as my brother <laughs> so uh, awesome. uh, it's funny it's how that funny it's great to be able to like relate with somebody about that and it's like a, I'm sure a bunch of people who listen will have a similar story but I've never actually met somebody who's like said the same thing as me where they were like yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I to them but found my competitive spirit through it <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool. for sure so yeah. yeah if I understand right you 
um, kind of went to college and was like, hey, I'm not going to be a professional cross-country skier because I don't want to put that time into eff- and effort into it. Um, you did some out and biking uh, and then got into um, really Spartan racing through Ryan, um, your husband. So what was your training like prior to entering the OCR world? Yeah. Um, so I guess basically I did university and I was on the varsity running team the whole time I was in university and then actually graduated, worked full time, um, for a couple of years. And that's when I found mountain biking, which I absolutely loved. Um, but yeah, same thing. Like I just did it. I did, I did mountain biking because I absolutely loved it to this day. It's probably, if you ask me what my favorite sport is, I'd probably say, mountain biking or like mountain running but um I love mountain biking and I always said oh I don't want to start competing in this because then it's gonna like take over and I'll start training for it and Mm -hmm. I don't want to lose my love for it and uh and that's eventually what ended up happening I I like started I did like a race which is where I met Ryan my husband actually so like in hindsight I'm obviously really glad that I that I did it, but, um, then got competitively into mountain biking for a couple of years, but then I was kind of like, ah, you know what? I don't think I want to do, do this competitive mountain biking thing anymore because like, I'm, I'm losing my love for it. I'm not just doing it anymore because like I enjoy doing it. There's Mm -hmm. this whole other aspect. And so he was like, Oh, well, you should go do this obstacle race with me. I'm going to go give it a shot. There's prize money. If you make the podium and like, I think you could stand a chance of making the podium. And so that's how yeah. I ended up doing my first obstacle race. So it, my fitness was pretty good at the time from like a cardio perspective, but yeah. uh, no like upper body strength. I had no idea what I was in for in regards to the obstacles. And <laughs> I think I ended up doing like 200 burpees that race. Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and I was sore for a week after I like legitimately it hurt to move every single muscle in my body. <laughs> yeah. What year was that? That was 2014 at the uh, World Championships in Killington, Vermont. Okay. And yeah, still one of the best races I've ever done to this day. <laughs> <laughs> the Spartan athletes know. Anybody who was there is like, oh, yeah, that one was a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for the listener that that's, might not be in the Spartan or OCR world, um, when she's talking about burpees, if you fail an obstacle – in a Spartan race, you have to do 30 burpees, um, or I believe, I think there's some differences on different races, but so 200 burpees probably means what you failed 10 or eight or 10 obstacles somewhere around there. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's probably somewhere around the realm of 20 obstacles and I failed a solid half of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, uh, so obviously you have evolved from that and gotten your your strength up um you know kept in, keeping your cardio what has been like the the biggest like when it comes to strength because there's like there's grip strength there's brute like i can you know deadlift 400 pounds i i can't but i'm just as an example uh like what what kind of strength does it take um in spartan to succeed um most of it's not things that people would find impossible um 
I think, yeah, there's definitely like, I think I'd say the main element is grip strength. There's a lot of mm. pulling on ropes, hanging from monkey bars, that sort of thing that involve a lot of pulling strength and grip strength. Um, so as long as you can like hang off a chin up bar for, I don't know, that's a good way to practice. But um, if you can do like a chin up and hang off a chin up bar for 40 seconds are probably okay to do an obstacle race. Um, sure. I'd say nothing is really like heavier. Nothing's going to be heavier than your body weight that you have to lift or carry. But a lot of the weights are arbitrary and they'll change each race. Like sometimes they make you carry a bucket of rocks around and sometimes it's a log and you never really know how much it's going to weigh. I'd say the most awful thing that they make us do is a double sandbag carry. So a lot of the times we'll have to carry the sandbag on our shoulders and usually they're about 40 pounds. Um, but sometimes they'll give you two of them. So for the woman, it's only 80 pounds, which is not like awful weight, but to have two of them and you're trying to like get them up on your shoulders and balance them around. And, um, and then they make you walk like up and down a really steep mountain with them and that's that's i'd say like the most horrible part of it so it's mentally taxing as it is physically because it's just like sure. quite miserable <laughs> but um i think the reason i failed so many obstacles that first race is because there's there's some technique to them like i'd say if anybody out there wants to go try an obstacle race they're super fun but do expect to like fail some things your first time around and then once you go do the second race like you'll probably get them the second time none of them are that hard but you just sort of have to learn like body momentum and uh, there's some like tricksy little things that you yeah you just have to learn which you probably won't nail the first time unless yeah. you're an american ninja warrior or something <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, that that's kind of my experience which i've just started the obstacle course racing this year which has kind of been a bust because of COVID and everything, but uh, <laughs> only been like one. I was doing Conquer the Gauntlet, which is more of a Midwest and Southern United States kind of um, area. But they they do a you don't have to do burpees if you fail. It's just like you do the obstacle until you can't, and if you can't, then like you surrender your elite status or whatever um yeah i like that format yeah yeah um so you get multiple tries at the obstacle which is is fun and there's no burpees (laughs) so were you able to finish it did you get through everything um the first time i did not and because there was this one obstacle is called pegatron you have two pegs and there's like holes in the wall and you have to work your way across it which from my understanding is way more intense than any obstacle in spartan from what i've seen um yeah and so i was not prepared for that at all (laughs) and because i come from an endurance running background like a a year ago 10 push-ups like made me sore for a week so uh (laughs) that was really hard so i I built it in my garage (laughs) i trained um for the last three months on it and then they put that obstacle at the end of the race this time so we're four miles in 25 obstacles in and I was literally two inches away from the bell. I went to reach it and then my other peg fell out and I fell on my butt 
hurt my elbow and so I couldn't even finish. <laughs> so I was, I was in yeah. second place. And I it was enough. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen in the obstacle race. Like, yeah. It's so true. Yeah. This is where something's gone wrong on the very last or right on the very last obstacle and like and you, you know, make up a place or lose a place. Or, yeah. They say it's never over until it's over, which is so true. But yeah, that, that does have an epic obstacle. Like our gym has a, a pegboard a rock mm. climbing gym yeah and, uh, and it's like so hard to do yeah when, even when you're not in the middle of you know a 24 obstacle long race <laughs> so, like, imagine. Yeah. <laughs> you 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 said something that uh like it, it's never over till it's over especially in obstacle course racing and in something like you know cross-country skiing mountain biking running like you can get to a certain point where all you have to do is finish and you win so there's a little bit different like focus there how do you stay focused through a spartan race when there's so many variables and it's not just like running i mean you have to focus on a lot of different things and there's a lot of momentum breakers how how do you do that yeah, that's a really good question. I, I get exceptionally nervous before a lot of obstacle races um, because there are so many variables that can go wrong. Like, it's, you know, I get nervous for other races too, but with obstacle races, it's, there's like so many more elements um, that you have to consider. But um, the lucky thing is once you've been around the block as many times as I have, so to speak, like you encounter a lot of the same obstacles over and over again. So it's sort of it'd be similar to like a running course where you, or a mountain bike course where you experience a technical part and you would like, yeah. I don't know if you've seen it or practiced it before him and you can, when you're out there running, it's sort of just like one step at a time and you're like, okay, here's the line. I'm going to go run here. And next I put my foot here or yeah. like, you know, you look ahead and you go between those two trees or and it's kind of like that with obstacle races too. It's just sort of like one step at a time. And, yeah. um, you just take it as it comes at you. Yeah yeah so it's once you've done the obstacles um enough times you're saying it's just like it's another part of part of the race and yeah um yeah and like you know what to train for too outside of the race so um i get more nervous for the first race of the season i would say because i feel like out of practice on the obstacles and Mm -hmm. stuff and uh but once you've done, once you like have a race under your belt and our races are usually only like two weeks to max a month apart. So yeah, you kind of accumulate a lot of time on like the same obstacles and then you reach after like two or three races, you're like, okay, I got this. I know I can do it. And and then I start to get less nervous for like that middle portion of the season. And then, and then the nerves ramp up again for yeah. world championship season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So before we get into kind of the recovery, um, what you do and stuff, I want to just, um, since you've done so many uh, different sports over your you know career from eight years old to now, uh, I want I want to just have some fun with it. And what's your like biggest achievement you've done or your most proud of moment in each sport? We'll start with OCR and work backwards. So in, okay. in Spartan, what's your, like the, the moment or the race or your accomplishment that you're most proud of? 
Um, in OCR, there's, I mean, there's a couple, I would say the first time that I won Spartan World Championships, like I did not really expect to do it, but it obviously had been like goal in the back of my mind for years and years. And uh, yeah. when it all just came together, it was like this super surreal moment. Um, and for like a week, like I would just kind of forget that it had happened or like it, it's almost like it was a dream. And then I'd be like in the shower or something and I just start smiling like a crazy person. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, what happened? <laughs> um, other thing that I was really proud of myself for was the world's toughest mother, which mm. is a 24 hour long obstacle race. And yeah. the first year that I did it, I quit 18 hours and I was just so sore and tired. And yeah. Um, like a couple people said to me oh yeah to finish it you like really gotta want to finish it and then the next year I went and I tried it again and I my whole family came out and they were cheering me on and crewing for me and I finished it that year and my mom walked the last like four laps with me and my dad <laughs> and I was just like so proud of myself for having got it done um, yeah. I'm not that natural of a super endurance athlete like I specialize in anything from like two to six hours I'd say but anything mm. after that is a bit outside my comfort zone so that was like the longest yeah thing like the biggest so, definitely mental push that I'd ever done so yeah to complete that do you have to have a certain distance in 24 hours or is it just if you're on if you stay on the car stay in it for 24 hours you complete it whoever goes the farthest yeah, it's a so it's actually a five mile loop, which is really cool because every five miles you like pass this pit zone area and you can grab food and water or whatever. But it's also hard because every five miles you have the opportunity to quit, yeah. uh, which becomes really tough after a certain point. And also like um, it's typically in November, which gets pretty chilly. So like you're in a wetsuit after a certain point of the night, which like gets pretty uncomfortable <laughs> just like outside of your sore muscles and everything else that hurts um yeah. you know, like wearing this wetsuit <laughs> um yeah but um yeah basically it's as many five mile laps as you can complete within the 24 hours and whoever it does like the most amount of laps um wins it so yeah it's pretty cool i'm just gonna turn on the light it's getting dark quickly okay. here but continue how do you how do you place in that the um you know it's funny i was i was like really pacing myself and taking it easy but i was actually up and i think at one point i was in second and then for a little while i was in third but like i never i knew that it wasn't gonna last because um i just like knew that after about 13 hours or 12 hours i wasn't gonna be able to like run anymore <laughs> which did happen so the last several like i don't know the last 11 hours I was walking um and so people like eventually started passing me I forget where I finished I think I was still in the top 10 okay um yeah but cool. my body is just like I feel like if I tried it again now it's actually coming back next year and I'm toying with the idea of doing it again because I think that I've like become a better endurance athlete in the meantime and I'd be curious to yeah. see if I could run all 24 hours now I know at least I can do more than 13 hours running now without my form falling apart so <laughs> um I don't know about 24 but fun to try yeah well um so it's mountain biking then what is your most proudest moment 
while my mountain biking. It doesn't have to be a race either. It could just be you accomplished. You went to the top of something, but. Yeah. Um, I don't know, probably a lot of the, the technical things that scare me. So actually like when I started mountain biking, um, the way that it's set up, basically there's, there's different levels. The elite level is like the hardest level. Um, and below that there's, um, what's it called? There's like sport and then there's one in between. So I started in sport and then I, they like moved me up because I was doing really well. And then they immediately again moved me into the elite category. And this all happened within like two months. But the thing is, it's, it's because my fitness was good, but like my technical mountain biking skills were not there yet. And like the courses get harder um, technically, um, yeah. like the, at the higher the level that you compete at. And so all of a sudden I was having to compete in these elite races that were like way out of my comfort zone. Um, and for, for our nationals, actually that year, the course was, uh, these same courses, the Pan American games, um, which was like, you have the top riders in all of North America coming in <laughs> to that race. Um, and it's just like huge. It was pretty technical. Um, and I spent like a month every single week and I'd go both days and we'd like drive up to the course and I'd practice all the features and stuff and, uh, learned how to ride some like gap jumps and yeah, just a lot of like technical rocky things. But, um, so I'd say, yeah, just like, that's probably my, my proudest accomplishment is <laughs> overcoming the, the mental challenge. <laughs> yeah. That is, that is one sport I don't think I'll touch ever is mountain biking. I can't like coming down a mountain and then having to, uh, no, that's not for me. <laughs> well, it's you are actually in Ontario. Like a lot of the riding is just like on fast flowy trails with not a lot of features on them. And that's how I learned to ride. And, mm. um, and it, that kind of riding is like super fun. Like there's nothing scary. You can go as fast as slow or as slow as you want. It's just like nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like with math, I think there's, there's something out there for everybody that yeah. everybody could enjoy. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. So cross country skiing, what, uh, what was your proudest moment there? Um, I don't know. I think the first time I won OFSA, which is, I don't know. Do you guys have OFSA in the, in America? Probably not. Okay. So I forget what it stands for, but basically like it's when you're racing in high school, it's like the top level race that, um, you compete in. Um, and so there's like regionals and then there's Offset would be, I guess, all of Ontario or whatever province okay. that you're yeah, in. Yeah, we have we have states or um, within the yeah. state of South Dakota or yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Uh, it would be the like a province, and so uh, the first year I won that, um, I was like, I cried when I saw the results, which is like the first time I've ever cried happy tears, and I was so shy. I remember being like, "Why am I crying right now?" <laughs> but I just totally didn't expect it, and I think yeah. it gave me a lot of like confidence about myself as an athlete and what I was capable of. And, um, that's the year that I had actually started like training a little bit too, because mm -hmm. I had encouraging coaches and my sister was encouraging me too and stuff. Yeah. And I just like saw the results pay off and yeah. Was your sister so. competing with you at that point or was she, um, had graduated or moved on? Or in a, a senior and I was 
junior. So she would have been like at grades nine and 10 are grouped together. Um, okay. And I would have completed junior in that. And she would have been in grade 10 or sorry, 11 or 12 um, and competed as a senior. So she, I'm sure, won the senior category. Okay. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, happy tears. Uh, they're weird, aren't they? <laughs> super weird yeah <laughs> don't happen that often but I'm not like I know a lot of people like cry whatever emotions are coming their way and I'm always jealous of people who are criers because I'm like I think it's so cool to just be able to wear your emotions on your sleeve like that but I'm not a crier and so I just remember it <laughs> when it happened I was like what is going on why am I crying <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I've only done it twice in my career and both times I was like what the <laughs> Okay. Tell me about your When did you get happy tears? Um, my freshman year of college or, or university, I at our conference meet, we had uh, I ran the the one thousand meters and the mile um, race, and okay. they were like, but not back to back, but they're like forty five minutes apart, and mm. I was not supposed to win either one. I ran the mile and there was like a handful of all Americans and the, in the race. And I was just a freshman. It was like my first year. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but I ended up winning that by three hundredths of a second. And I was like, wow. Easier. Okay. <laughs> I, when I, when yeah. I crossed the line, I didn't know I had won until a little bit later. And then like they announced me and I was like, that was cool. I didn't cry then though. Uh, my coach said, great job. You got a 1K in 45 minutes. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So I cooled down, warmed up for that. And with 300 to go in that race, I was, I was accepting third place. Like in my mind, I was like, I was in third. I think I can hold this. Then I see my coach in the corner saying like, you got to go now if you're going to win. And I was like, okay, that was the strategy. So I went and the, the guy in first came back to me. I caught him in like the last 50 meters and won that race too as a freshman. And that was like, then I was just like, what is happening? Cause it was the first time that I had underestimated myself in a race. Like I always thought like I was here and then I'd play somewhere here or below but that was like yeah. I was hoping for third place or fourth place in both of those events and then winning them was like unreal um I was gonna get sweaty palms listening to that story geez I'm gonna scope your times after this and find them on the internet so I ha if you like told me right now I'd be like I don't know what that means because I'd have to convert it to kilometers but oh got it yeah the the next time was at nationals my last year in cross country um, we placed fifth as a team um, and that was something that was our goal at nationals, at nationals. Um, and it was our goal going in to be like top five and it was just it was a long road for me from sophomore year to senior year um, it's I would 
not going to tell that story because it's <laughs> like too long. Um, and this podcast is about you instead of me, but uh, just had some health issues. And then um, coming into that last year to be able to lead, not lead the team, but help the team to fifth place was uh, a very good experience for me. So yeah. It's so much better too when people to share it with. Like I'm sure the whole team was just ecstatic. You probably weren't the only person crying. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah looking back on that time the seven of us that were there we all agree that that was like the best trip of our all of our college careers no matter on what like where we were at in our career at that point so um yeah and having a team is the best so why we miss my varsity team so much they're like my favorite yeah. Do you, do you feel like Ryan is kind of like on your team now as a Spartan athlete? Like, do you get that still camaraderie that way? Or is it different since he's your spouse? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely he's, we're on each other's team. Like we're married and we both do the same, <laughs> same, uh, sport. We get to travel together and everything, which yeah. I think is, it's pretty cool. Um, obviously it's different than having like a whole team of people, but I think, I feel like my obstacle racing friends are like my team in a way like as much as we compete against each other we all get together after we like go beers after the race yeah. we hang out every like spare second everybody has um, yeah. when we get to the to wherever the race is like we're all basically hanging out and talking to each other and stuff and i yeah we've missed each other a lot this year like we zoom call each other and everything but yeah. Um, yeah. But when it comes to Ryan, like, yeah, it's different, but I think we're also, I'm, I feel really lucky to have a spouse who does the same thing with me as a professional athlete. Cause I can't even imagine like in relationships where one person is a pro athlete and the other person just works like mm -hmm. a full-time job or something. I mean, it would just suck to like be away from home so much and not have my other half with me. And then also like, it can just be weirdly selfish sometimes being a full-time athlete it's all about like your training and your recovery and your nutrition and your sleep and blah 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 and like to have somebody who has yeah. all the same goals as you do is um just like amazing like it would be hard to only have like one person in the equation <laughs> um have those same goals so yeah um you talked a little bit on mountain biking, how you didn't want that to become like competitive because then it, something changes on that. Um, you know, and I think that comes with kind of like the burnout conversation of sport and athletics. Do you feel that with obstacle course racing too, now that like you might like mountain biking better, but you know, obstacle course, might pay better or, or whatever that is um like how do you fight burnout as an athlete well so many answers to this question first of all like don't get me wrong i love obstacle racing yeah. um but i think especially i love it because i mean i feel like i always had these opportunities to be like a professional athlete in various different sports but i always chose not to be and i think it's because i felt like i hadn't found the right sport like sure. with mountain biking um i mean when you're training full-time for mountain biking every day you're on the bike for so and so amount of hours and it's all very structured and today is intervals now it's a technique session blah 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 like and you can never just go out for like a fun ride of an arbitrary length 
that you want it to be. Um, yeah. Whereas with obstacle racing, like um, I love this sport, but I think what what made me want to commit to being a professional athlete in this sport is that you can train for it so many different ways. Like I can go for a run or I can do intervals on a mountain or I can, if I go for a mountain bike ride, like that cardio is still going to benefit me. Um, and I can like spend all this time in a gym. I can play around on rigs. Like there's all these ninja gyms around now. So if I like want to yeah. go visit those and like, I get to hang out with friends and play around on the obstacles and it's, it's all like considered training. Like I literally have pulled the tire behind me up a mountain before because I felt like doing it that, that day. I don't know. Like this is the cool thing about obstacle racing is that the training right never gets mundane or boring. Yeah. Um, a lot of, I don't know. It sounds weird to like train the mental aspect of the sport, but that's such a huge thing in obstacle racing, like adversity comes into it so much. Um, and like to train the hard mental side of like, of, of your game where you're like putting your through yourself through something that's kind of miserable, <laughs> but you like get through it and then you're proud of yourself afterwards and stuff yeah. like that comes into play a lot on obstacle racing. So, yeah. um, so yeah, I think I want to throw that out there. It's not that I like mountain biking um, more and I don't like obstacle racing. Like I don't just do it yeah. for the paycheck. Yeah. There's like good prize money, but a lot of the times, honestly, I'm so competitive that I like yeah. forget that there's prize money at the events and I yeah. just like want to win because I, really want to win um but then also I think my first year I definitely burnt out because there's so many races like the races mm -hmm. go year round because they yeah. just go wherever the climate's yeah. warm and so like you can race as much as you want and my first year I raced almost like it was like every weekend or every other weekend and we were just like on the go all the time and yeah um, by the time world championship season ended I was like oh my gosh <laughs> that was long and also our race seasons like they're about 10 months long um, and they're all these series that we have to do. So like the series starts in last year is February um, and it goes up until November now. And every year it's gotten like, it started with, I think it was six months and every year it's gotten a little bit longer. So, um, so there's definitely been years where I've burned out because of that. But I think as I, as like, I think it was, I've been doing this five years now. This year didn't really count, but, um, but I've learned a lot as the years have progressed about yeah. like how to not burn out. And uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> Do you navigate a, a, like a 10 month season? Because uh, a lot of like runners and especially in collegiate runners, they do cross country, then they do indoor track, then they do outdoor track. I mean, you're talking a, essentially you're on, you're racing, you're competing for nine months of the year. Um, and when you're not, you're training for cross country. So how do you yeah. mentally navigate a 10 month season? Um, well, I, I always take, I always tell myself I'm going to take a month off when the season ends and some years it's only been two weeks and by off, I mean, like, I'm not training, I'm not exercising at all. Like some days I'll move if I feel like it. You move. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and that's where I like get a lot of my mental break. Like I'm like, okay, season's over, time to bake cookies, time to only train if I feel like it. And so I get like a nice month of that. And then by the time it's over, there was one year I took uh, a month and a half after I finished the 24 hour race. Yeah. Um, Cause that's what my body needed. And then last year I only took two weeks. Cause 
I needed. So, um, so I just sort of like listen to what my body and mind are telling me that I need. And then, um, when I, when we get our, our races at the, like the dates of the races at the beginning of the year, I'll, I'll like purposely structure in like kind of ebbs and flows in my training and when I'm going to be on and when I'm going to give myself like a bit of a mental break. Mm. Um, so usually around like June or July, we'll only have, we'll have like a month and a half between races and that'll be like mm-hmm. a mental respite time for me. Sure. So yeah, you kind of, have to look so at that. I'm you- sure you've done that with running if you've done the whole track and cross country and all of that. <laughs> yeah. We well. get like a, a week off or a couple of weeks off in between the cross and the indoor track. Cause they're, cross country can be a long season when you're starting to train in you know early June and then championships are in November or December depending on the year and then yeah um what do you what do you do like what was that is that a week is not long enough (laughs) (laughs) well that's that that's why part of my story is burnout (laughs) in college I had to take I had to take a year off of like uh I I did nothing I, I lived the bum life for a while and I was like, after a year, I was like, this is, I don't like this. And I got back into athletics. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, like, I mean, I did that when I chose to go to university and like take a break off sports. So I feel like I, I guess I made that decision like early on. So yeah. I, I know that I want to be doing it. Um, and then every year I'll like question again, like, do I want to keep doing this? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything specific that you do? Um, intentionally during those like down periods to really refuel yourself um, for the like the love of the sport or is it just blank mind uh for the love of the sport um I don't know like definitely less structured training like when the season's in full force there's I'm sure as you know like there's a lot of interval sessions there's a lot of I'd rather be doing this today. I have to do this other thing Mm -hmm. Um, or like pushing yourself through really rainy days or like sometimes you have obligations that day and you have to set an alarm for like 5 a.m. to get your training in before the day starts. Um, So yeah. um, So like once off season comes, it's, I I give myself like, yeah, the month off. But then after that, after I start training again, I have like another month just to like do whatever I feel like doing that day. And for me, it's usually, yeah, like uh, not, not interval sessions. Um, I'll go for like runs if it's a nice day out. A lot of it's just cross country skiing mm. or like fat bike riding and yeah, yeah, stuff like that. I also like bake a lot in the off season and I don't think at all about what I'm eating, <laughs> which <laughs> is okay. I think it's like good to give your body and mind that break too. Yeah. Uh, yeah what is your nutrition like during um season like when you're when you're really trying to peak perform um you know for like a world championships what what is your nutrition habits like I think like my husband and I were were pretty good most of the time and I like absolutely love cooking and baking so um I think we most of the stuff we make is like homemade and there's a lot of fruits and vegetables involved just because that's 
how we enjoy eating and both of us were raised to eat that way like both our moms cook that way yeah um yeah but i i would say in race season there's a lot like less alcohol we both love beer like craft beer is like a really nice thing for us (laughs) and then obviously i love baking as well which like um i try not to do as much of like definitely we i would say that we eat dessert like every night but it's it's like moderated like it's like oh you know you can't have three cookies you'll just have one cookie type thing (laughs) so like i wouldn't say we cut ourselves off entirely because for me like i love baking so much that that would not be sustainable that would result in like mental burnout for me (laughs) um which like a lot of athletes it's funny because a lot of athletes just literally eat to fuel themselves and they'll see them eat like these disgusting things that are nutritious but like not at all appetizing like I follow a girl on Instagram who literally for lunch eats sardines on rice cakes oh. with sauce and cilantro. And I was Gross. like, gag, would not, <laughs> could not. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, their own, like I, I'm sure a lot of other athletes out there would like follow me and how I eat and be like, oh, you know, you could do a lot better. But for me, that's like drawing a line where I know that like, it just if I had to like relegate myself too much to a sure. nutrition plan, it wouldn't be sustainable. So we we have a pretty well rounded diet, but um I don't bake as much during this like season because um then we'll end up eating it because it's just the two of us here. <laughs> um but then yeah, once off season rolls around, like I'll I'll bake like every day, every other day and pawn it off on neighbors and we keep half of it and yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> cool what's your favorite um thing to bake like to that you would eat after a hard workout um it's super like unexciting actually probably just like smoothies like we Mm. love making fruit smoothies which is funny because i would love to tell you but like all my favorite things to bake and cook but actually like fruit smoothies with like granola yeah mixed in it's like we eat those almost every single day um even that would be like nice. yeah even in the winter <laughs> I don't know, so it's tasty and it's nutritious and like um and you're hungry and it's fast so like yeah yeah and i'll come back from the workout and i'll just like shower and stretch and then um yeah just like smooth time and recovery like i'll force myself to sit for an hour <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. So as as an athlete, you know, part of your job, half of your job's to work out, well, it's probably less than that. Less, you know, 30% of your job is to work out, 40% of your job's to recover, and then 30% of your job is to race well. Um yeah. you know, give or Good take. Memory. Um yeah. what like when it comes like if uh, the perfect recovery routine for Lindsay Webster. What what does that look like after a hard workout? Uh, I mean, wh- what are you doing besides you know your nutrition, which we discussed? What are you doing beyond that? Yeah, um, I think I like I just mentioned it kind of um, for me. Like I always try to stretch. Uh, I have a friend who's a doctor, and she said to me once upon a time, like imagine you stretched every single day like once you reach 80 years old how much that's going to benefit you Mm -hmm. and that motivated me so now every every 
workout I do usually I'll like I'll try and stretch and sometimes it's only like two minutes if I'm really cold and hungry but other days I get into it it ends up being like 15. Are you stretching immediately after the the workout or are you stretching later in the day? Usually I do immediately after um if I mean, there's definitely days that I don't do it because I'm like super maybe cold because I've like come in from the snow or the rain or something. And then it's like, I don't know, there's other things that I think are more a priority in that case. Um, But yeah, usually I do it immediately after. If I don't, then that night I'll try and do like slowing or mobility. Um, Yeah, mobility is a big thing for me for recovery that I find massively helpful but yeah usually like for the most part it's just stretching and then eat my smoothie and then uh I I really like have to force myself to sit for at least an hour which uh which I think is where the smoothie comes into play like it's really nice to have something that's fast to eat and then I can just sit there and sort of like take my time eating maybe have a coffee or something and it like helps me to sit for an hour because I'm I'm just the type of person that always like wants to be moving yeah doing things so, so I think that's a big thing for me is just like a little bit of downtime, mm. muscle recover. <laughs> yeah. Do you put, um, do you have like a massage gun or, or Nortec like compression boots, anything like that? Yeah, we have Normatec compression boots, which we were super skeptical about buying because they're pretty expensive. Um, but honestly, we will say it's like the best investment that we've ever made. <laughs> that's, a, that's a common um, theme of uh people i've interviewed thus far so i love them um we just bought uh a drum recovery gun okay. um, which has been because like usually i'll just roll in front of the tv at night while we watch netflix or whatever like when the day's done but some days yeah. you're like so tired that you literally just don't want to get off the couch even to roll which like we were like Rolling does kind of require like very minimal amounts of energy, but you still have to move. Yeah. So we got the <laughs> those days when we literally just can't move. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I know a lot of people like napping. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm like not a napper. I can't nap. Really? Um, you haven't ever like in your in your life, even in college, you weren't a napper. No, I've tried to be because I know it's like can be a massive recovery boost. And yeah. I know a lot of pro athletes will they like work it into their routine where they my sister used to nap two hours every afternoon wow. um between her two workouts and um I think she said she had to teach herself to nap. So I like I had this like three month period when I was like really determined to learn how to nap, but I just never <laughs> went anywhere this is a waste of time because every afternoon I just lay there for like an hour and never fall asleep. <laughs> so how much sleep yeah. are you getting at nights then? Um, I'm, I don't, I don't think I like need, I'm not the kind of person who needs a ton of sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, I typically sleep about eight hours. There's like the rare night that I'll sleep 10, which is pretty great compared to most people. Definitely. Like I know most people who have, working lives uh i think the average is about seven hours a night um but we definitely prioritize it and i try to stick to like circadian rhythms and have good sleep habits yeah um i know that's like a very important thing but um i think ryan sleeps more than i do he typically like 
he'll go to bed. We'll go to bed at the same time and I'll stay up for like an hour and read my book um, until I start to feel tired and then I'll go to bed. But he like yeah. sleeps as soon as his head hits the pillow and typically I'm up um, a bit before him. Yeah. So yeah. So well, I get as much sleep as my body needs, but it's just not as much as he needs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, it's different for everybody. Um, and the important yeah. thing is that if you're, you're not like limiting your sleep um but if you want like you talk about learning to nap i don't know if you're still interested in that but i interviewed uh nick little hales and okay the sport sleep coach yeah uh, and he has a book called sleep um it, it'd be good to to read anyways you'll have to check out that episode um that i did with him we talked yeah. a little bit about napping and and a lot of on circadian rhythms and how to get into the sleep stage and how to set up your pre-sleep and that kind of stuff so yeah I have done I actually got really into it this past winter especially like just learning everything that I could about sleeping and creating good sleep habits and uh yeah and uh yeah I think I I learned a ton about that I don't know a ton about like napping though and how to form how to like turn yourself into a napper so I'll definitely look into that because I mean it's yeah of course it's still something that I'd learn I'd like to learn if it's going to benefit yeah. me well my biggest yeah. takeaway as far as napping goes is one there's a unique place like depending on when you wake up and when you go to bed there's an ideal time for you to do it um, and two you don't actually have to like fall asleep to get the benefits from it um oh, okay. if you, you know you can still be awake and just like focusing on your breath and just being still letting your mind kind of wander um you still get a lot of the same benefits as though you were sleeping um if you're doing like a 30 minute nap because you're not even if you would fall asleep you're not getting into that deep sleep which is what you do at night um so it's it's kind of the same thing so um, anyway, that's my two cents from somebody that's way smarter than me. So I could talk about this forever, but yeah, <laughs> when we stop recording, I'll pick your brain about it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're, we're getting close to the end of our, our time here. Um, so I want to talk about one other thing and then we'll get into kind of our closing, um, fast action questions, but, uh, the Spartan games is an event that you got to participate in um, a three or four day event that was um, very intense by my understanding. I got to see a little bit behind the scenes through Instagram and stuff. I believe it's airing later this year or into next year sometime. Um, but after an event like that, or I believe, I mean, you just got back from the Golden Series trail races too. So like after a three, four day high intense competition event, uh, how do you, how do you recruit from that? And what's kind of your mindset from going from that back into, into training? Because obviously you can't jump back in, you know, the next day. So how, how do you deal with that? Yeah, I mean, my answer is going to be a bit subpar because I've never done like multi, these were the first multi-day races that I've ever done. Um, and they actually just happened to fall only two weeks apart. So Spartan Games was, yeah, a four-day event. And we had 10 like races, I guess not like races, but like events throughout 
those four days. So yeah. we were racing um, two to three times a day. Um, so yeah, super taxing. And then I only had two weeks to sort of recover from it before the Golden Trail Series uh, stage race started, which was also a four-day event where we were trail like trail running on mountains for from anywhere. I think the average was 19 miles per day. Um, wow. Yeah, anywhere from 17 to I think it was 24 miles per day. Um, yeah, which I actually found harder than the Spartan Games. Like Spartan Games, really? you're doing different different events. Every event was different. Because sure. um, right, you're using different muscles day. each time. Yeah, exactly. And like, as you know, running obviously is hard on your joints and stuff, especially like mountain running. Yeah. So much pounding and my quads were like and calves were fried by the end of day two. And then it's like, okay, two more days to go. <laughs> <laughs> um they also ramped up the distances every day. So like every day was longer than the oh. last, um, which made it particularly hard. But anyway, um yeah, so my subparents are basically after Spartan games I had I took like a week. I took I think it was three days off. And then it was sort of just like do whatever your body feels capable of um, for the rest of the week. Like it was just like movement and nothing. Uh, I really never knew how tired I was going to be that day. And if I felt really good that day, then I'd like do a bit more. And if I was still feeling tired, then I would just like do very little or rest again. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the second week I got back into what I would just say was like my normal training routine, but it was by no means enough time to actually get ready for a mountain running event um so it was just like a normal training routine um our focus was on spartan games which like like i said it was a whole bunch of different events so our training was like way different than it would have been for a mountain running event um and so then yeah so then we went to the azores for the golden trail series race and then once that was over like now it's off season for me so um so yeah again i i think i took four days totally off mostly because we were traveling home and I didn't like we were literally traveling all day every day and I uh, didn't really have the option of like training but that's fine because my body didn't really want to yeah um when I got back into it but the fifth day I what did I try and do the fifth day I went for a half an hour run and I felt like pretty nauseous and like not good so I just shut it down and that's all I did that day. And then every day since then has just been like, oh, whatever. I feel like I did intervals one day because I felt good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, but I know it's off season. So like, I, I don't really need to be training. It's just that, like I said, I have trouble sitting still. So I, some days I just like, I'm trying to like move basically. And then there was that one random day that I felt really good and I had way too much energy. So I did intervals, but Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool okay well these last few questions um just they're meant to be quick kind of top off top of your head answers um 60 seconds or less and um so the first one actually we already answered this one but so i'll change it a little bit but um you're into your gardening and baking and cooking Uh, what's your favorite food to grow Oh, yeah, so I have a veggie garden. So like, no, I don't really have flowers or anything. There were some here before already, but favorite thing to grow? I could not answer that. Um, ah, I don't know. There's so many exciting things to grow, and they're all so nourishing. 
So I really enjoy like growing like spinach and kale because mm. like we're big salad eaters and it's yeah. so fun to just be able to go out and like everything that's like in your salad bowl is something that you've grown. I like growing uh like snow peas and cherry tomatoes mm. a lot because I can just go out there and like if I'm like want a snack I'll just like go pick them off the plant and eat for yeah. 20 minutes <laughs> yeah. um I grew pumpkins this year which was really exciting when fall rolled around because I was yeah. like oh my little pumpkins that I grew um what else I don't know like all of that is to me like very exciting and nourishing yeah. and it's just really fun to go, go be like oh I need some carrots and you can just go pick them out of the ground yeah with beets like yeah all of it my wife and i epically failed on our garden this year but we did get snow peas and cherry tomatoes um but all of our spinach and kale got eaten by bugs and other stuff did not grow very well so um lots of trial and error (laughs) (laughs) it was our first year trying so um yeah we're gonna try again we will next year too Nice. Yeah. So, there you go. Um, so next, I next question. Uh, what was that? Oh, I heard uh, somebody told me like if you put, I think vinegar or Coca Cola in like a spray bottle and you spray your plants and like the the bugs won't eat them, which says a lot about how bad Coca Cola is for you. But yeah. Also, <laughs> okay. I guess then you're basically eating Coca Cola. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we uh we have like a, a tea tree oil um it's like a maluka oil um is what it's yeah. called and that's supposed to help uh we just didn't do that until it was too late we did yeah. we saved a few but we got very little um the next next question. Um, this isn't supposed to get you in trouble, but just to reflect on, uh, who's the the better athlete, you or Ryan? Um, I'm gonna say like I think it's Ryan, and I'm not just saying that to not be whatever cocky or whatever, but um, he like his capabilities blow my mind because he can run a super fast mile or like his 5k time is like fairly exceptional. Like it's not, you know, the fastest, but yeah. it's up there. Like what? Um, like what but time? then, um, I don't know, Ryan, what's your 5k time? 15 minutes. So it's not like- What was that? It's not, uh, what? I, I didn't catch the time. what did you say it was? Oh, 15 minutes. Oh, that's, yeah. that's cruising. It's it's not like I don't know what's like the I guess people you competed with would probably be in like the thirteens. Yeah, low for low to to mid fourteens was pretty typical. Um, yeah, but he's not like like a track athlete. Yeah, or like a I don't know. But then so yeah, he can like run five k pretty freaking fast. But then also like his engine is incredible like last summer i i crewed for him while he did this uh three-day like fkt fastest known time um, on like a mountain range so he did 46 mountains and and around three days and he wasn't sleeping um he just like never stopped it was like go around the clock and and so and his body never like like his running form holds up um it's incredible like to 
watching if you watch him do like 24 hour race like he always wins those the one that i was talking about that i was so proud of myself for competing completing yeah, yeah like he yeah. wins them every year that he's been there. he's won it and uh, like his running form at the end of the 24 hours will be like the same as it was when he started and, he was uh, also yeah, so that makes a pretty good athlete like he's just so consistent and like yeah it doesn't matter what distance you throw him into he's like he's always right there <laughs> so, cool yeah um he was also on the world's toughest race i interviewed um sonia wick from team iron cowboy um yeah so and i got to see ryan uh very yeah. you know glimpse of him because he wasn't like they weren't featured or whatever but they did well yeah yeah so. they did yeah Okay, so last question, and then we'll um, just close with how, how to keep up uh, with you and stuff. But um, if you could make like a lasting impression on any, any girls that look up to you um, as an athlete and a person, what would that be? What do you want to be kind of remembered for? What do I want to be remembered for? Ooh, I don't know. Like... I feel like, I don't know, if you're in the position to where like people are looking up to you, there's so many things besides just like success in your sport that you can, yeah. can do with that. Um, like you can do all sorts of different philanthropic type, type things and just, I don't know, to be like an environmentalist or I don't know, not that I'm, I don't know. It's, it's, this is a hard answer. <laughs> I guess I just want to be remembered for like making a difference outside of my sport too. Like, um, I guess there's like there's more to me than that, and mm. I just would want to encourage like other up and comers in the sport to like try and make a difference with the sure. with like the platform that they have. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I thought you were gonna ask me, like, oh, if I had advice for them or something like that in terms of like racing and training, what would it be? But um, yeah, that's my answer. Okay, so <laughs> use use your sport to um, you know it, it be a part of your life, not your whole life. That's what yes. I'm kind of gathering. Well, we're done. There you go. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> So since you were since you were ready for some advice, what what advice would you give them? Um, for advice, like I was I was gonna say, um, I guess take your sport as like I don't know. I guess don't look at at it as a whole. Like oh, one day I want to be like the world champion of this sport. Like work your your way up. You know, um, start by being like oh, I'm gonna win my age group category maybe, and then oh, I'm gonna like move in to the elite field and see how I do and then like oh I want to come like top 10 in an elite race like I don't know I guess just um like kind of yeah work your way up there and learn as you go along and enjoy the experience but don't like set yourself um so don't set yourself up for like disappointment I guess like set yourself up for for successes um because there's there's like a huge learning curve yeah. that happens along the way um and so, like, I wouldn't want anybody to be like, oh, I want to go race the world championships for my first race, and then I, I want to win it. And if I do anything less, then I'm going to be disappointed in myself. Like, yeah. um, But I'm sure if you're, if you're a good athlete and you race in your age group category and you hit the podium, well, then, like, that's incredible. So mm -hmm. 
Um, and that's going to be way more motivating than it would be to, to like have set yourself up for disappointment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Not that I'm saying it's not possible. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely know some girls that I'm like, I'm sure if you raced in the elite category, you would podium at the world championships. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cool. So, um, how can, how can somebody stay up to date, follow what you got going on? Where do you spend most of your time? Uh, when it comes to like social media and stuff yeah definitely instagram for me um tried to get into tiktok sorry couldn't do it um, <laughs> i'll keep trying <laughs> uh lindsey don webster is my instagram name um that's lindsey yeah, i do like trying to answer everybody's messages sometimes i'm epically slow like sometimes it takes me like two days just because i'm bad at my phone i'm a bad phone <laughs> person so i get around to it eventually sure cool. cool all right so and then what what do you have your sights set on for 2021 um i mean what are you going to focus on for as far as compete competitions and stuff i have no idea because i mean i don't think anybody in the world knows right now it really depends <laughs> like global pandemic plays out um yeah i don't know i think we'll see yeah. when next year rolls around i haven't okay. I haven't really like set any goals yet um, have they announced they're uh, actually running the golden trail series race like i'd like to like focus a little bit more on mountain running especially if they're gonna do that again next year it's such a fun mm -hmm. race and i'd love to like give it another go when i'm actually prepared for it yeah, <laughs> yeah. have they announced the u.s national series for spartan yet no uh i've heard like the canadian series dates that are they're like still tentative but i think yeah i think starting like hoping that they're gonna have a series next year but or sorry a, a race season next year but like nobody really knows yeah how that's gonna play so yeah i haven't officially heard anything for okay for, yeah for the u.s races cool awesome well thanks for what is that i said will i see you at any of them um, I think so. I'm having a, a my first kid on March 13th, so um, that's gonna put a little. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> so that's putting a little bit of uh, you know complications in the spring season for me, but um, I'm hoping to get to. Um, I would like to hit up a, a U.S. National Series race in 2021 just to kind of see where I'm at. Um, with everybody else and uh, well, look for you but in the meantime like oh that's life's biggest adventure that's so exciting yeah Congratulations. So, thank you <laughs> <laughs> all right well with that we'll say goodbye to the listeners thanks for being with us uh go follow lindsay don webster lindsay with an a on instagram and cheer her on in 2021 thanks yeah. lindsay. thanks guys thanks for tuning in all right, episode's over. If you found value in this episode, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. And if you haven't already yet subscribed, do so now so you don't miss any important topics in the coming week. And if you have any questions or suggestions for the show, please send them my way. I am most responsive on Instagram. That's at jcheese, J-A-E, cheese like the food or email me directly at jace j-a-s-e at science of sports recovery.com talk soon